So I am incredibly excited uh, to be here, and, uh, and I really feel that God has given me a strong, um, a strong word for this morning. Uh, my title, for those of you taking notes or, um, or who would want to know it, uh, I've titled it, A Church That Prays. A Church That Prays. I believe prayer is an incredibly vital component to every believer's life. Every believer. And if it isn't, there's a problem. <laughs> All right? And I mean that in the best way. I'm just, you know, I hope, hopefully this is encouraging but challenging to everybody here. Because God's surely been challenging me. Prayer is incredibly important, but are we utilizing prayer as much as we should as the body of Christ, or have the prayers of the saints gotten sleepy? I don't believe prayer is a tool that should only be pulled out when we need it. I believe prayer should be a lifestyle. And that could be biblically supported in several ways. Prayer should be a lifestyle. And in the Bible and throughout the faith, there are just amazing people um, that exemplified a lifestyle of prayer in just, just amazing ways. And I get so inspired when I read about these guys. I mean, they, they got it. They understood something about prayer. They grasped something about prayer. Guys like Leonard Ravenhill, who would quote, if we had more sleep, sleepless nights in prayer, there would be fewer souls to have a sleepless eternal night in hell. Oswald Chambers quotes, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Martin Luther quotes, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive and not breathing. Guys like John Welch thought a day was ill-spent if he did not spend seven to eight hours in prayer. Ian Bounds would wake at four in the morning and pray until seven. John Wesley would wake at four in the morning and pray for four hours. Charles Spurgeon, when he was taking people through his church, he would take them to the basement to find several people on their knees interceding for the church, and he would say, this is the powerhouse of this church. They grasped prayer on a level that I feel like the church has fallen away from. And these, understand something, these are the guys that would see revival. These are the guys that would see moves of God take place in whole communities. People just drawing to God, coming to God, weeping in repentance, placing prayer at the forefront of their lives. These are the guys that witnessed it. And prayer was a central element to the moves of God that they witnessed. Now, I don't share these things to make you feel pressured to copy their time slots of prayer. You know, to feel guilty if you don't spend eight hours a day praying. Okay? I do share these things, though, because they understood something. And the time that they spent was fruit of something that they grasped. All right? They grasped the power of prayer. They realized how vital it is and how much it means. In fact, you'll, refine, you'll find that the revivals that went on during those time periods, they actually centered around prayer. Dr. A.T. Pearson says, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Prayer's huge. 
and we cannot fall away from praying. I don't want to be a church that's lacking in prayer. I want to be a church who's ever increasing in prayer, who is never going to forget the importance of prayer, to spend time in prayer, because it is the greater work. It is the greater work. Maybe you'd be honest in here and you'd say, I really don't pray a lot right now. Maybe you'd be honest and say that maybe in the past you've been timid to pray, um, private or public. You know, it just was never um, a huge priority to you. Wherever you are in the spectrum, I believe God wants to bring us as the church, as the body of Christ, back to a passion for prayer, back to a heart for prayer this morning. I believe he wants to begin to ignite something in the body of Christ, okay? And so this morning, I just want to encourage you with four scriptural points that I believe, if applied and received, that they are going to begin to transform your prayer life. I really believe it. If received, they will transform your prayer life. Number one, first and foremost, let's just establish this. Anyone can pray. All right? Anyone can pray. And you might think, well, of course. But you would be surprised at the number of people that don't think their prayers mean anything. You would be surprised at the people that shrug away from praying. This is why I need to establish this. Anyone can pray. Some people feel like they don't pray good, all right? My first question to that would be define good because I promise you God's definition of good and your definition of good are probably two different things, all right? In fact, let me show you an example of a prayer in the Bible that wasn't flashy, but it was passionate. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. First Samuel chapter 1, 10 through 16. I'm going to be reading it out of the NLT. It says, no, I want to start a little earlier than that. It says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. I love how she gives glory to the Lord. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded, throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Let's establish something about Hannah's prayer. There wasn't much volume. Okay, catch this. There wasn't much volume. In fact, her prayer wasn't even coherent. But there was passion. 
She was praying from her heart. She was pouring her very heart out to God. Passionately. God hears your imperfect prayers. He's not looking at your sentence structure, your grammar mistakes. He's looking for a people that are just passionate to talk to him and to pray to him. Charles Spurgeon quotes this about prayer. True prayer is measured by weight, not length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length. Passion does not have to be in volume. Passion does not have to be in length. I think that's where we can get it wrong. We believe it has to sound beautiful and eloquent. But you can sound beautiful and eloquent and have not a drop of passion. Good sounding prayer, but empty. Doesn't have to have volume. Doesn't have to have length. You are capable of praying. Everybody in this room is capable of praying as the church. Do not exempt yourself from the very thing in the very way in which we commune with God. Think of, I mean, for you to say that you can't pray, you say that you can't communicate with God. You can pray. Everybody's capable and everybody needs to as the church. And regardless of how we feel sometimes, even at those times, we need to know that God is greater than our feelings and that we need to continue to pray. Second thing, set aside time for private prayer. Set aside time for private prayer. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 6. Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 6. It says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. There's no one to impress when you're alone with God. There's no one to impress when you're alone. It's raw. It's genuine. It's just you and your Heavenly Father. And we all need it. We all need that intimate place with our Heavenly Father. Set aside time for private prayer. As believers, we need it. Public prayer is great. Agreeing with believers is absolutely great. It's awesome. I believe it's needed. But it cannot substitute your alone time with God. So don't expect it to. You need to spend private time and prayer with your Heavenly Father. Even Jesus would get away from crowds and get alone with God. He would escape just to get alone because he knew he needed it. Daniel was a man of prayer and he had an upper room where he'd get alone and pray three times a day. Some of the best moments I personally had with God have been the ones that have been alone with God. I believe God can reveal things to you also in intimacy that he may not reveal publicly. 
We all need that time. We all need the alone time with God. Nothing to prove, just a genuine pursuit after him. Third thing, God's closer than we think. God is closer than we think. Corey, why would you make a point like that? Well, I'm going to get to it. 1 Kings chapter 19. Turn with me if you wish. First Kings chapter 19, 11 through 13. It says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. This is Elijah. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the earthquake, uh, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Can I say something? God didn't have to shout. I heard Stephen Furtick make an awesome point regarding this portion. He said, God whispers because he's close. You ever wonder, you know, why he doesn't shout? He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. He is closer and sometimes we believe he is. Romans 8.38 says, Nothing can separate us from God's love. Hebrews 13.5 says, God will never leave us nor forsake us. It is speaking of God's omnipresence. He's everywhere all the time. He's everywhere all the time. Just like the song says, He's just, you're just a breath away. You're just a breath away. How close you believe God is, is going to affect how boldly you pray. Sometimes we get this notion that we are praying to a distant deity in space and that our prayers have to travel light years just to reach him. No, God is here. He's omnipresent. He is closer than you think. Pray like it. Pray like he is standing right next to you because he is. Go to God. Go to God like he, like he is close. Go to God like he is a friend. Go to God because you know that he can do the impossible. He is close. There's no need to pray like he's far away because he's not. Pray boldly. Pray boldly. He's right here. And last point, prayer moves the heart of God. Prayer moves the heart of God. Several times in the Old Testament, especially with Moses, I'm going to use him because it was very frequent. Um, Moses would several times go to God on behalf of Israel. All right? And he would, he would go to God and he would pray. Um, and Israel... When you read about the nation of Israel, you can understand maybe a little bit of why Moses got so frustrated sometimes. But 
Israel would do just something foolish and, and God would get upset with them, God's providing all the stuff for them. Could you imagine as a father, you know, you, you give them everything you need. You part an enor- a big body of water so they can walk through. I mean, you do all these miracles for them and still they're sinning against you and they're being disobedient and defiant. It would get maybe a bit frustrating. And so Moses goes to God on several occasions and prays. He was a man of prayer. This is a man that more than, more than one occasion spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. All right, this was a man of prayer. And when he would go before God, his prayer to God, I need you to catch this, his prayer to God literally moved the heart of God and changed the way God acted. I need you to get this. This is a, this is a big deal. Matthew 21, 22 says, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Other scriptures will say, you pray anything in my will, and it will be done. I'm convinced some people do not pray like they should because they don't believe their prayers accomplish anything. People, some people have not come to the realization of the power that prayer holds, the power that a prayer of faith holds the weight of a prayer made in faith. While Corey, God's God, and at the end of the day, he's going to do whatever he wants to do. Well, sure thing. God's sovereign, and God's God, and he can do whatever he would want to. But my Bible also says that it's impossible to please God without faith which in turn means that he is pleased when we go to him in faith. All right? James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous, it says that the, the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and produces wonderful results. Isn't that good? Stop believing that your prayers are falling to the ground. Stop believing that your prayer does not hold power. That is not what the Bible says. It's not consistent with Scripture. We need to pray in faith, believing that our prayers actually mean something, or else we're not going to pray. Believe that there's power in your prayer. Wayne Grudem, in his book, Systematic Theology, quotes this. I thought this was really good. If we were really convinced that prayer changes the way God acts and that God does bring about remarkable changes in the world and response to prayer, as Scripture repeatedly teaches that he does, then we would pray much more than we do. If we pray little, it is probably because we do not really believe prayer accomplishes much at all. Ian Bounds quotes, Only God can move mountains, but faith and prayer can move God. I believe certain things are destined to happen through prayer. You have to believe that prayer is powerful. You have to believe that God is listening to the people that are praying in faith, pouring their hearts out to him. You have to believe that. Or else you will not be passionate to pray. Or else you will not make time to pray, you have to believe that God's heart is moved by those who put faith in him. It's scriptural, 
and it's truth. Pray like you mean it. Pray like God's listening. Pray like you are praying to your heavenly Father. Pray like you have the author and the finisher of your faith on the other end of the line. Pray like you are praying to the creator of the universe who holds your very life in his hand. Pray like that. Pray boldly. Come boldly before his throne. Pray how you want to see God move in this area. Pray for God to purify his people, for people to come to him, to draw close to him. Pray for how you, got, you want to see God move. Because it means something. And it moves the heart of God. Faith is incredible. Faith is pleasing to the Lord. Let's be a church, guys, of faith that places a priority on prayer. I think the prayer of the church has gotten scary, sleepy. And in America, we are prosperous and we have things real good. And I think that can be the very source of our weakness. Just because we have it good does not mean that our prayers need to be hindered. That our prayers need to be nullified. That our prayer time needs to shorten. No, we need to pray more than ever because people are getting led astray right in our backyards. We need to pray harder than ever before. I believe God wants to awaken the church and bring them back to a passion for prayer. I believe a passion for prayer, for prayer has gotten lost. And I believe we need to come back to the heart of prayer. I'm not saying that your prayer life isn't passionate, but I'm saying as a whole, You know, where, where, where are the groups of people that want to just meet to pray? And maybe you have a group that you pray with. Awesome. Again, I'm just speaking big picture. Guys, let's be a praying church. This world is hurting. The city is hurting. And we need to be praying harder than ever. We need to believe that God hears our prayers. We need to believe that in faith we can go to God and we can pray for the impossible to happen in this area. Things that we never could think would be possible. But our God's the God of the impossible. Let's pray like that. Let's pray in faith like that. Let's pray in boldness like that. Let's be a church that refocuses on prayer. Refocuses on prayer. Amen? I just want to pray over you guys before we, before we leave.